this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. The passage that uh, I'm going to be mainly speaking to you from this morning is in 2 Corinthians. But first of all, I, just to introduce what I want to say, I want to go back to 1 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Because the, the title of what I want to talk about this morning, if you want a title is Paul's fatherly love. And Paul's fatherly love for the Corinthian church models the Father's love, God's father heart for us and for all his people. So I want to start reading at verse 14 in 1 Corinthians 4. Now, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod, or in love, and a spirit, of gentleness. Paul is saying that he is a father, a spiritual father to the Christ- Christians in Corinth. He says, I've begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, he says, imitate me. And he says, I'm sending Timothy, who will remind you of my ways in Christ. Paul's ways in Christ modeled the Father heart of God for the church. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 11, in verse 1, he says, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. The Corinthian church had somebody modeling for them Jesus Christ. And he was a father to them. So with that in mind, we've come to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Because Paul wants to remind the Corinthian church of his ways in Christ. And he wants them to imitate his ways in Christ. And so whatever Paul's ways were in Christ, it is not just for the Corinthian church then to imitate those ways, but it's for us today 
to also imitate those ways. And if we come to 2 Corinthians 2 in verse 1, Paul says, I determined that within myself I would not come again to you in sorrow. In uh, another version that I've been looking at at home, Paul, say, it, Paul said, I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. And, and I just feel in my spirit this morning that this is something that the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize to us this morning. It's time to make up your mind. Why? Because if we look in the previous chapter, which uh, John dealt with last week, but didn't particularly deal with this part of the chapter, Paul writes this, Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? And this is talking about visiting the Corinthians. Or the things I plan, do I do according to the flesh, that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. So Paul is saying, I made up my mind. I'm not saying yes to you one second and no the next second. You know, our lives can be so complicated sometimes when we can't make up our mind. And one minute we're saying yes to something and the next minute we're saying no to the same thing. And when it comes to relationships, we can't behave like this because these are not the ways of Christ. Because as God is faithful, all his promises to us in Christ are yes. God has made up his mind about us. He's not saying, you can have the things that I promised one minute, and then the next minute saying, no, you can't. God is faithful to his word. And Paul is saying, just as God is faithful, so our word to you and our ways, my ways in Christ are not yes and no at the same time. Now, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to impress this upon some people's minds this morning. Because you're in a situation in your life where you can't make up your mind or you haven't made up your mind in connection to some relationship problems, whether it's within the church or within the family. And Paul said, I made up my mind not to make a bad situation worse by coming and making another painful visit to you. Obviously, the first visit that Paul made to Corinth was not a painful visit. When he first went to Corinth, God said to him, you continue to speak out, Paul, because I have many people in this city. And so a church was established. But as they 
were in Corinth where there was so much sexual immorality, uh, so much of being a divided society. How much like our country that is today? How much like our world that is today? With so much sexual immorality, so much division within society. And so when these people became Christians, they didn't, immediately become mature Christians. And as we've looked through 1 Corinthians, we've seen all the kinds of problems that were still existing in the church where people hadn't completely come out of their old ways. And so Paul must have made another visit to Corinth. And that's what he's writing about here. But that visit was a painful visit. Because not only did he have to contend with immaturity and sinfulness in the church, but he also had to contend with people who were coming in as false apostles. And so, painful time, there was contention, there was division, there was argument, there was frustration. But Paul said, I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. Why? Because sometimes, you know, there is just no point in making a bad situation worse by continuing to confront. And so Paul wrote to them. And maybe in your life, you're in a situation where God is saying to you this morning, just make up your mind right here and now that you're not going to make a bad situation worse by continuing to rub salt in wounds, by continuing to argue over a situation, by continuing to press your point of view. Because Paul is saying, these are my ways in Christ. I'm not going to make another painful visit to you. I'm writing to you. And as God is faithful, so I want to be faithful to you. I've made up my mind. And it wasn't as if I changed my mind lightly. I made up my mind not to come to you again and make another painful visit. Paul realized and knew that the body of Christ is the body of Christ. That he was a member of the body of Christ and that these Christians in Corinth were also Members of the body of Christ. There were many problems which he had tried to deal with. But he knew that his well-being and their well-being was interdependent. So he says, if I make you sad by another painful visit, who's going to cheer me up? 
So here is the wisdom of the love of God and the ways of God. If you continue to aggravate a painful situation, when you need cheering up, when you need to be encouraged, when you need to be uplifted, who's going to uplift you but the people who you've grieved, who you've made sorrowful? So Paul, in the love and wisdom of God, in the ways of God, says, I'm not coming to make another painful visit because, you know, I need to be constantly encouraged. I go through hard times. I sometimes despair of life. I sometimes are in great sorrow. And who's going to cheer me up? So God is saying, make up your mind. Because there is an interdependence. We're one body. We encourage one another. We cheer one another up. Because he says that my joy and your joy is one. We encourage and strengthen one another. Paul as a father shed tears. If you're a father and you haven't shed tears over your children yet, let me assure you that it probably will come. As an older father, I know what it is to shed tears for my children. And Paul shed tears over his children in Corinth. For out of much affliction, anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. These are the ways of God. These are the ways of Christ. Paul was not hard-hearted. He loved these people. God is not hard-hearted. Christ was not hard-hearted. He shed tears over Jerusalem because he came to his own and his own received him not. The Jewish people, they were his people. He had nurtured them from the time of their conception in Sarah's womb. When you read the prophets in the Old Testament, you see how much God loved his people, how he cared for them as a mother and as a father. And Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you, but you would not. And Paul has this same kind of heart that Christ had over Jerusalem for these Corinthians. And true fathers will at times weep because of their children. Paul says, 
not that you should be grieved, but that you should know the love that I have so abundantly for you. Paul wanted to demonstrate to these people the ways of Christ. And he did. And as he wrote this letter to them, with tears and grief in his heart, that they might know how much they were loved. In verse 6, talking about the punishment of the one who was in an immoral sexual relationship, who had uh, to be put out of fellowship for a while. Paul says in verse 6, this punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. So that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. With discipline, as far as God is concerned, as far as Christ is concerned, and as far as Paul's ways in Christ were concerned, enough punishment was enough. You know, there is a tendency in human nature to want to go on punishing. And maybe God is saying to someone here this morning, make up your mind because enough punishment is enough. And I don't know everybody's situation within family life, within church life. And maybe you've been punishing somebody. And maybe in, in many respects, quite rightly, because God disciplines every son that he receives. But he doesn't beat any of his sons to death. He doesn't go too far. He knows how much discipline to exercise in the lives of all his children. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes in other situations with children, we've gone too far and we go too far. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, Fathers, don't provoke your children. Another version says, don't exasperate them. You know, sometimes children have been exasperated because they've been punished and punished and punished and punished. And all they seem to get is punishment. Well, that is not the heart of God. Yes, he does chastise and he does punish us. But he doesn't go on and on and on and on. So if you feel that God is like that in your life, that is not how God is. God knows when enough is enough. And Paul is saying, situation enough is enough. So that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him and show your love to this person. When discipline and punishment is exercised because of sin, enough is enough, but then... We love that person. We need to lift them up. We need to encourage them. 
And these were Paul's ways in Christ because they are Christ's ways. Maybe if you've been shutting somebody out of your life because they've wronged you, maybe today you need to make up your mind enough is enough and go and be reconciled to that person. Go and encourage them. Go and help them because we all need to realize that we can all fall. We can all sin. We can all be in a situation where we do need some stern discipline. None of us are beyond falling. Walk carefully. We need to walk humbly. We need to walk in the grace of God. You know the saying there for the grace of God, go I? If you never think that you could fall into sexual sin, if you think that you could never fall into jealousy, if you think that you could never fall into some addiction, well, don't think that way. Because he that thinks he stands, he will fall. It is only, as John was saying last week, when we are weak, then we are strong. When we are dependent, totally dependent upon God, then we are strong. Then we will not fall. Therefore, I urge you, Paul says, to reaffirm your love for him. Maybe God is saying to someone and some people here this morning, make up your mind that you are going to reaffirm your love for that person who has sinned against you or has offended you, that person that you have shut out of your life. Go and reaffirm your love for them. Forgiveness. This is another way of the ways of Christ. For to this end, Paul says in verse 9, I wrote that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. If indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan, Satan should Take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Maybe God is saying to someone and some people here this morning, make up your mind that you're going to forgive. Forgive that person. Because if you don't, Satan has an advantage over you. And not only you, but Satan has an advantage over us. Because when there is unforgiveness in the body of Christ, it's going to affect the body. It's not just going to affect you. So whatever all of us do, in all of our ways, it is going to affect the body. 
because we are a body. And when we all walk in the ways of Christ, the body grows, the body is nourished, and the body is built up. In verse 14, Paul says, Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph through Christ. This is the really encouraging and uplifting part of this chapter. Because in Christ, we always triumph. He always leads us in triumph. But if he's leading us, it means that we're following. If we're not following, he's not leading. And Paul says, he always leads me in triumph. Our triumph in Christ is constant, it is permanent, it is forever, in all circumstances, at all times, when we walk in his ways and we are following him. Our triumph in Christ, thank God, does not depend upon our popularity. It does not upon the popularity of Christ it doesn't depend on the popularity of his word Jesus is not a politician he is a savior he is the conqueror he is the one who has triumphed over all things in all times forever a permanent victory And I I just want to end by reading some verses that talk about Christ's triumph. Jesus predicted his triumph in John chapter 16 and verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Colossians 2, verse 15. Disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle, triumphing over them in it. That is in the cross. 2 Timothy. Actually, I'm going to read from verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus 
before time began, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. That means he has made it ineffective and brought life and immortality and light through the gospel. Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. Revelation 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head were... And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word. And the armies in heaven, clothed with fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And I'll finish with this. What shall we say then to these things? Well, what shall we say then to these things? These scriptures that speak about Christ's triumph. If God is for us, is God for us? Is God for us? Not everybody's convinced. I'll give you another chance. Is God for us? That was a bit better. Is God for us? That's better. (laughs) If God is for us, who can be against us? We need to make up about that, don't we? That God is for us. So this morning, if you've not made up your mind that God is for you, make your mind up this morning. God is for you and he loves you. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's wonderful, isn't it? All the promises of God in Christ are yes. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died 
and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Let's make up our mind this morning that trouble is not going to separate us. Or distress. Or persecution. That's coming. We don't see much persecution in our country at the moment, but it's coming. And it Let's make up our mind now. It shan't separate us. Or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We follow in Christ's triumph train. He has conquered, we conquer. He has triumphed, and if we are following his lead, walk ways, whatever our circumstances are, we triumph in him. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, Paul had made up his mind, he was persuaded and maybe you need to make up your mind this morning, once and for all, and be persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, which we don't know about. God knows the things to come. We don't. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul's father heart for the Corinthians was a heart of love. God's heart for us this morning is a heart of love. And nothing, nothing can separate us from his love. Amen.